welcome to Sunday service. Tis the season for holiday parties, don't you think? It's Christmas parties with your family and your friends and maybe at work or different groups that you're with. It's all about um, getting together for the holidays. So this message today is all about invitations and the invitations that we are given from Christ, but also our response, our RSVPs. And I just pray that as you listen to today's sermon, that it blesses you, that it maybe is a little thought-provoking to you also. And just um, stay tuned at the very end. I surprise my congregation with just a little something-something. And so stay tuned, see what that surprise is, and see what their reaction is. God bless. Enjoy the message. Sunday is Christmas Eve, I Christmas Eve morning, <laughs> and I encourage you to invite your friends. Uh, we saw what just word of mouth will do. Family Sunday, we had a full service, full building here, um, and you know I I put out on Facebook, you know, come to Sunday, come come visit us anytime. I put that out there all the time for people to read, and but you know what I found what works the best is a personal invitation personal personal word that says come out I would like to see you and sometimes you get re re replies and sometimes you don't but at least people know that they're thought of and that that personally they are thought of and that they want to come to church but you know there's nothing better than having a personal invite which is kind of something that I want to talk about today um, when you're personally invited someplace it makes you feel special right makes you feel remembered. And whenever I'm invited somewhere, like if our family's doing something and they're like, we're gonna go to dinner, do you wanna go? And, or whatever, whoever. I'll usually reply, even if I can't go. I'm like, I can't go, but thank you so much for thinking of me and for inviting me. Keep inviting me, because maybe one time I can go with you guys. And, because um, it makes you feel special when you're invited. And when it comes to the Christmas story, um, the nativity, you know, Christ's birth, I think about two very special invitations that were sent out to two very different groups of people. One of those people are called the Magi, or we know them as the wise men, or we three kings, which tradition says there was probably way more than three kings that went. I've heard even upwards of a hundred um, wise men that, that caravaned and followed the star. But anyway, one of this group was the Magi. And we know they were wise, they were learned men, um, they were probably astronomers. Their job or their passion was to study the skies, to look up into the skies. And I can imagine as they're looking up into the skies, one day they discover that if this rotation and that rotation keeps going the way it's going, something amazing is going to happen in the skies. And they're watching it. And you know what they found? That was God's invitation to them about the birth of Jesus. And because they were such smart men, now these men were not Jewish, um, but they knew Jewish history. They knew prophecy. And they knew that according to Jewish prophecy, something great was going to happen because of what they saw in the sky. And we know that God sent them this galactic invitation and they accepted. They accepted because we're told that they followed the star. They followed the star. Now the second group of people that God sent that invitation to 
were the shepherds. The shepherds. And we'll read, go ahead and read in Luke 2, 8 and 12. I didn't have time to do a PowerPoint, so you'll have to actually read on your phone or in your Bible. But Luke 2, 8 through 12 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born, and he will be, has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. So here, these shepherds receive an angelic invitation. And we know they accepted this invitation because in verse 15, they're like, let's go. Let's go see this baby. So here you have two different invitations to two totally different groups of people. One is the wise men who were probably men of influence, affluence. They probably had money, right? They had, um, they had knowledge and they, they were probably employed by government. So here are the, the magi and then here are the shepherds who were told they're lowly. And even in here, they were living with their sheep. They were out with their sheep and they're living with their sheep. So my guess is they probably didn't smell the greatest, right? Yeah, they probably had been out there for a long time and didn't look the greatest, whatever. So you have these two totally different groups that, were, that received the same invitation. And they both RSVP'd in the affirmative. They said yes. Now, RSVP, we see that on invitations all the time. Do you know what it means, what it stands for? It's French. Did you know You know that it's French? It, it means responde s'il vous plaît, which means respond, if you please. And when you see that on an invitation, they want to know, are you going to come to my party? Right? They want to know yes or no. Are you going to come? The, um, they want to know your intentions. Um, but you know, the birth of Christ was not the only invitation that was given to see the Messiah, to see Jesus. If you read in the Gospels, you see that Jesus himself in his ministry, he gives the invitation over and over again. He says, if you're thirsty, come to me and I have living water that you're not going to thirst again. Are you hungry? I'm the bread of life. Come to me. He says, I'm, I'm at the door. I'm knocking. Are you going to open the door for me. Jesus is always giving that invitation to us. And all we have to do is RSVP. Responde, s'il vous plaît, right? Respond to him. Accept his invitation. And I think of one particular, there's there's so many invitations. If you if if you want a challenge for this coming year, read the gospels and highlight every time you see an invitation. Um, given from Jesus himself. You, you'll find it throughout the whole word, but of Jesus himself, all the invitations that he gives us that we can respond in, in the positive too. But I took one, one instance here. It's found in the book of John. I'm not going to read the scriptures, but it's found in John 1, 35 through 42. And it's about John the Baptist. He has just, he'd just gotten done baptizing Jesus. And you know when he baptized Jesus and he came up out of the water, he saw a dove ascend and he heard the voice of God say, this is my son 
who I am well pleased. So that had happened, and this was a little while later, and John the Baptist is walking with a few of his disciples, and they, he sees Jesus, and he's like, do you see that guy over there? That's the Lamb of God. And those disciples straight away went to Jesus. And when they got to Jesus, Jesus turned around and he said, what do you want? And they say, where are you staying? Which, when I read the story, I thought, that's funny because of all the things. What if Jesus walked into this room right now and he's like, what do you want? I could see me wasting that opportunity, you know, and saying, what's your favorite color? You know, <laughs> like something really silly. And then he walks away and I'm like, what's your favorite color? I could have asked for anything. He says, what do you want? And, you know, so I kind of thinking that once they, that question came out of their mouth, they were like, where are you staying? That's what I asked, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, where are you staying? But I have a feeling that no matter what they would have asked, Jesus' answer would have been the same. You know what he said? Come and see. Come and see. And they did. They RSVP'd in the positive, and they accepted his invitation, and they spent time with Jesus, and we know that that time with Jesus, it changed him, because one of those disciples, his name was Andrew, he went and he got his brother, who we've heard about, his name is Simon Peter, and he said, Simon, come and see who I just met, and Peter goes right away, and we know that these two become followers of Jesus. They become apostles in the church, leaders in the church. He, they accepted the invitation to come and see Jesus. Come and see. What a great invitation that is from Jesus. What a great invitation that was from Andrew. And it reminds me of the Old Testament invitation that we are given. In Psalms 34, 8, we know this scripture. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. What a great invitation that is for us to taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you notice that both of these invitations require something of us. It says, come, then you will see. Taste, then you will know. For us to see and for us to know, we have to respond. We have to respond. Then we will experience. Um, until you taste something, you don't know if you like it or not. You might have strong opinions about it, right? You might have strong opinions about something, um, a food, and be like, I am never going to try that, never going to taste it, even though you've never tried it before in your life. You guys are already thinking about something in your head that you've never tried, and you're like, I never will because that's gross. We talked about oysters one day after church, and with a long, long talk about oysters, and we were like, no. You know, raw, no. Anyway, uh, story time here. As you know... I am half Filipino, but really I didn't grow up knowing a lot about the Filipino culture because my dad, they were the first born in America of, of the family, but they were very Americanized. And my grandma and grandpa Cabalas, um, they were back and forth between the Philippines and, and America quite often. And um, so they really didn't impart into their kids a lot of Filipino heritage. We know about the food, but it was just food to them. It was just the food that grandpa cooked. It wasn't like heritage food. It was just food. So, you know, we, I know about the food. So, but I didn't know a lot about the Filipino culture. And as I got older, I wanted to know more. And when I was pregnant, eight months pregnant with Corey, so that would have been 26 <laughs> years ago, bless you, um, 
we went to a Filipino festival. My mom, my dad, me, Paul, and a couple friends. And um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Got to see a lot of things, um, watch their dances, their dress. It was, it was beautiful. And um, I, I learned of something called, a Filipino dessert, called Holo Holo. We heard about that before, anybody? Okay, Holo Holo. Um, I'll tell you what's in it. It starts out with some shaved ice, okay? Like an icy, you know, shaved ice. Then you put a spoonful of, it's called nata de coco, which is like a coconut gel, jelly. Um, and then young coconut. Then you have red beans, and you have white beans in there. And then you have a scoop of ube ice cream on it. And then you pour evaporated milk over it all. Some people even put corn in there. Um, anyway, it did not look, did not look good at all. I was, I was eight months pregnant too, remember. And um, what was funny was the only people that tried it was Paul and my mom, the two white people that were with us. Uh, so they get, they get some and we get in the car because we're getting ready to go home and they, they take it in the car with them to eat. I'm eight months pregnant, everybody sensitive to everything around and I'm looking I'm looking at them eating it's just it's just it's just a bunch of hollow hollow means mix mix and that's exactly what it looks like a mix mix and they're eating it and my dad isn't the smoothest of drivers you know those herky jerky uh, uh, get over yeah so I've got this going on and I'm looking at this and then my friend just before she stepped in the car stepped in doggy doo doo so let's put all of that together, the smell, the sight, and the motion sick. And I'm going, I'm not, I'm not going to make it home, <laughs> you know. It was not a great combination at all. So for years, whenever Paul would mention hollow, hollow, my immediate response is, no, thank you. No, thank you. And I would not try it. I would see a picture of it somewhere, and I'm like, no, nope, yeah, not going to try it. Well, okay, let's fast forward about 15, 16 years. That's how long I did not try Hollow Hollow. And um, there was a Filipino place that opened in Everett, and he's like, do you want to go try it? And I'm like, you know, okay, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to try it. So we went, and we got it, and I tried it, and you know what I said? Delicious. Delicious, everybody. Delicious. And I was like, I love this stuff. But until I tried it, I had no idea. My experience with Hollow Hollow wasn't great, right? But until I tried it, I was like, this stuff is amazing. You know what? It's easy for us to make decisions about things that we have never experienced. It's easy for us to sit back and look at people and how they are and how they live and make judgments on them if we've not walked in their shoes, right? We've not experienced what they've gone through. We've all done it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we do it even now today. Not meaning to. My example was food, but we do that. We do that so often with other people. We judge how they live or what they do or how they respond and not walking in, in their shoes, not experiencing that. And um, many people have done that with Jesus. They have their decision made on what he is like without trying him for themselves, without responding to his invitation for themselves. And they could have had what I'm now calling a hollow, hollow experience, right? 
They could have had a bad experience with somebody who says they're a Christian, who is a Christian, or maybe a church. So they're like, well, if that's what church is like, if that's what Christians are like, then I'll have nothing to do with it, but without responding for themselves to see. And it, it makes me sad. It makes me sad when me, Shelly, I'm going to only point my fingers at me, when I, as a representative of Christ, when I mess up and when I don't represent him well, when I've probably said something out of hurt or anger, and we have all done it, whether we mean to or not. And I would say most times we don't, at least for me. I don't mean to hurt people, but sometimes I may say something that hurts somebody's feelings, or they may take it sarcastic, and I wasn't being sarcastic. That happens quite a bit. But can I tell you, and, and, and for them to say, well, if that's, if that's what being a Christian is like, then I don't want it. Can I just make very clear that when that happens, it's not Jesus that you're seeing. It's Shelly. Shelly. Because Shelly is still a work in progress. Jesus is still saying, I'm working on her. Yeah, right? He probably wants a sign on me that says, um, ignore that because I'm still working on Shelly right now. And sometimes I may say something that isn't Jesus. I might hurt feelings that isn't Jesus. But it's because he's still working on me. He's still transforming me. And I want people to look at me and see his love and see his grace and see his mercy in action right that that's what I want that's my heart's belong that's my heart's longing but sometimes I, I fail in that right but that that doesn't mean that people should not accept Christ or respond to him because of what they have experienced right they had a hollow hollow experience but they need to experience Jesus for themselves and see that, that, as, that God is good, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. And then you find for yourself, you're like, oh, I see what you mean, right? Oh, yeah, he is working on me too. I'm not perfect yet. When we accept Christ, we don't become perfect, but we are the becoming. We are the becoming of more like Jesus, but I don't want my, how I live, to cause people not to. So I, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying my best to allow the Holy Spirit to change me from the inside out. But I want people to accept him for themselves and say, he is good. I've tasted and I've experienced that Jesus is good. I am thankful for the invitation that God gave at the birth of Jesus. And I'm thankful that all the invitations that Jesus gave while he walked on this earth and we read in his word those invitations that are still for us today. But the invitations don't stop there. The invitations have to continue and they continue through us. Through us. We are living invitations. How we speak what we say speaks even louder than what we say, right? Even though we're a work in progress, we are still living invitations. Our lives should say, come and see. Our lives should say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Even when we're not saying those words with our mouth, they should see in our lives the joy of the Lord. They should see that when we're going through hard time, we don't have to fret. We don't have to worry because God's going to take care of us, right? They should see that in us. That's our lives being invitation saying, come and see. 
come and see. Let it speak louder, louder. It's easy. Um, it, as we are living invitations, we are learning also how to be those invitations. And I can't tell you how many times I have apologized, right? You get home and you're like, man, I shouldn't have said that to that person. I'm sorry. And when you learn to apologize, you learn the power of forgiveness. It becomes easier. It becomes easier to do that as you, as you live it. And setting aside pride to do that, it's hard. It's a hard process. But as you live that and as you learn to, to continually ask God, where did I go wrong today? And there's this um, devotional thing that, I, that Paul and I do at night, um, most nights. And it, there's always a section in there on on asking God for forgiveness. And it has you think about your day. You're just your day. What did I do today, God, that wasn't you? And when it first started, first, we first started doing this, I was like, I, easy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I thought this. I may have said this. I, you know, didn't do this or that. And, um, and then as it went on, I was like, well, how much how much can I do every day that's so bad? But as you, every day as you go through your life and you ask God, what did, what did I do today that wasn't you? How can I change that? He begins to just change you and transform you so that you can be a better living invitation for those that are watching you. Our lives are a living invitation. One last um, account in the Bible, John 1, still the same chapter that that. John baptized um, Jesus and that he told his disciples, there's the Lamb of God, that Andrew went and got Simon Peter and said, come and see. Well, after that, another man, another disciple, his name was Philip. He spent time with Jesus also. He may have been one of John the Baptist's disciples that went and asked Jesus, where are you staying? It doesn't say in there, but it was all in the same account. But he spent time with Jesus, and he went to his friend named Nathaniel. And he said, Nathaniel. You have got to come because I found Moses, the, the guy that Moses and all the prophets that have been talking about, he's the Messiah. Come and see him. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And do you know what Nathaniel said? Nazareth? Jesus from Nazareth? Does anything good come out of Nazareth? This is what I think. I think it was a saying back then too. But I think he may have had a hollow, hollow experience with somebody from Nazareth. He heard Nazareth is the wrong side of the tracks, and then he experienced somebody from Nazareth saying that they were from the wrong side of the tracks, right? So he's like, Nazareth, nothing good can come out of there. Philip says, come and see. Verse 46, he says, uh, Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And then Philip says, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Philip invited. Nathanael RSVP'd in the positive. And he accepted. And then he experienced for himself 
who Jesus was. And no longer did he see Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth, but he saw Jesus as the son of God. Spending time with Jesus changed his view of who Jesus was. He had a new revelation of who Jesus was. His hollow, hollow experience was changed, right? He was no longer just this guy from the wrong side of the tracks, but he truly was the Messiah that they have been waiting for for centuries. And this is the best thing, I think, about us being living invitations. That's all we have to do. Our job is not to convince people to accept Jesus, right? Sometimes we feel like if we put Jesus out there and they don't accept, what have we, what have we done wrong? But all we are to do is to live Jesus, to be his hands, to be his feet, and then the Holy Spirit does the rest. The Holy Spirit does the drawing. The Holy Spirit is the one that speaks to the heart of that person to change them, to give them a revelation of who Jesus is. But we want to keep asking God to transform us so that we can be better living invitations. And, that, and the way we do that is by spending time with Jesus. It's really the only way. We saw it with Andrew. We saw it with Philip. When you spend time with Jesus, he changes you. And I think about um, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, right? The woman who tried to avoid people at all costs, and she spent time with Jesus, and she became what I call the first evangelist in the Bible. She spent time with Jesus, and she goes back to the town of people that she's spent her life trying to avoid, and she says, come and see this man who told me everything that I've ever done, who knows me better than anyone else. Come and see. And the townspeople went. The townspeople were changed. So when we spend time with Jesus, he changes us. And he makes us want to be living invitations. Let's go ahead and stand. Father, I thank you for the invitation that you sent this world over 2,000 years ago, that it is your love that compelled you to send your only begotten son, and that you gave the invitation, God, Lord, you gave it to Mary, you gave it to Joseph, Father God, Lord, and you gave it to the wise men and to the shepherds, Father God, to come and see the newborn Messiah. And I thank you for that invitation. I thank you, Jesus, that you left heaven to be that Messiah for us and that you show, showed us with your life and with your words and with your teaching, Jesus, that you are inviting us daily to know you and to experience you, to know that when we put our trust in you, our hope in you, our lives in you, that you take care of us completely, God. Lord, your word tells us, Father God, that, that you will always be there and that your promises are true and that you are faithful, God. Lord, and I thank you for those invitations every single day. Now help us, God, to continue that work that Jesus left, and that is to be living invitations, to be living invitations to every single person that we meet, even if that meeting is for a few minutes, God. Let it be um, fruitful. Let it be life-changing, God. Let people see the light of Christ in us, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father God, that you help us to be true invitations, God. Lord, that people will want to come and see, God. Forgive us of the times that we've not been great living invitations, Father, and continue to change us and mold us into your image. God, 
God, I praise you today and I worship you today, God. Lord, for you are so good. I thank you that you've not given up on me. God, that, that through all the times, God, that I have failed you, you have always forgiven and that you have always, God, listen to my cry, God, that your word is true, that every time I call on you, you're there. It doesn't matter how many times in a day I have to do that, God. Lord, you are there, God, with your love and your grace and your forgiveness, Father God. Lord, and let that change us. Let it transform us, God. Lord, to those around us, God, let us be true living invitations of who you are, Jesus, Lord, that the world may know you and know the light has come. The light has come to shine in darkness, God. Lord, that there is no darkness in you, God, that you are more powerful, that you are greater than any darkness in this world, God. Lord, I praise you today and I worship you, God, for you are good. I praise your holy name. I praise your holy name. You are a good, good God. Amen and amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message. So now is the surprise that I gave to my congregation um, after church today, I talked about my hollow hollow experience and what hollow hollow is. So I put together sample size. They're just small, like eight ounce cups of hollow hollow for the congregation. And if you don't know what it is, you should Google it. Look what look up what it looks like. It's it may not be the most. Um, it depends on how you think of things, but it may not look the most appetizing. Now it does to me. But um, I wanted them to try it for themselves. And I'm going to end with just this little clip of their reaction to tasting Hollow Hollow for the first time. And if you've never tried it, try something new. Have a great week and Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Church is over. And I surprised our, my people with... Hollow Hollow to see if they like it or not. Mix it, you guys, mix, mix. You have to mix, mix. I got them Hollow Hollow, and we're going to see if they like it or not. Be honest. I like it. Be honest. Do you like it? I like it. Okay. Try it. Try and get a little taste of everything in there. And the purple, you guys, is called Ube ice cream. Ube ice cream. That's the um, coconut jelly. I just got the green and, and um, red because it's Christmas. What do you think? What do you think? You want it every Sunday? <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad you guys like it. Um, what do you, um, you're all a fan? Yeah. Yeah, the white beans aren't my favorite. That won't hurt my feelings, you guys, if you don't like it, because I totally understand. Well, actually, I'm surprised. I think ice cream is actually... Uh, at first, Ubi ice cream is really good, isn't it? At first, I thought it was like a...